message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Great to be here this morning to worship the Lord. I've really enjoyed the service this morning. Guys, musicians, thank you for your excellent, excellent leadership. It's really great to come into the presence of God with other believers. There's something dynamic about just being in the presence of God with other fellow brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Um, I've got quite a bit on my heart this morning, but I'm also conscious of the fact that you know God is present and he wants to do certain things in our lives this morning. So we're just going to see how we go and um, just see how the Holy Spirit leads us because what I really would like to do is near towards the end of the service is just open up uh, the floor really for the Lord to just work in our lives, to minister to us and uh, to bring his love into our lives in a fresh way. So we'll just see how, how, how it goes, how it, how it actually pans out. Um, we'll be looking at a very well-known passage this morning in Scripture which is both beautiful and challenging, in which Jesus uses imagery to convey a fundamental but significant, essential, vital truth to his disciples. And this truth is life-changing, and it's pivotal and crucial for our lives as a believer in Jesus Christ. You'll find this passage in John chapter 15. If you've got your Bibles with me, Please follow this in the, in the Word. There's just so much packed in these verses that I, you, you can't unpack it all this morning. So, as I say, I'm just going to rely on the Holy Spirit just to lead us through this and, and guide us through it. So, chapter 15, the vine and the branches. Verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain in my love. If you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. 
I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that lasts. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my commandment. Love each other. Praise the Lord. I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I don't think we're really going to get through all this anyway. But what are you expecting this morning from God? Are you expecting anything at all? I hope you are. I hope that you're expecting God to speak to you this morning. I'm expecting God to speak through me this morning. Let's just be silent before the Lord. And I'd like us all in our own heart to offer that prayer to the Lord and say, Lord, speak to me. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for this morning and I thank you for those things that you've put on my heart, Lord, to share with your people. Thank you, awesome God, that you're here in this place, present with us. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that whatever you put on my heart, that that will come out in the way that you want it to come out. But Holy Spirit, you will have your way in our lives. That you'll accomplish the will of the Father, as you always do. And therefore, we submit ourselves to you this morning, Lord. And we say to you, Holy Spirit, we expect you to come. Come into our lives and change us this morning. For we ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If during uh, the talk my thing falls off, that's this ear thing, then you'll have to forgive me. I've just been told this morning I've got small ears. Dainty years, I'd say, anyway. Last week, it was a real pleasure to um, have Tony here, and uh, it was a real blessing to hear what he had to say. I didn't get to hear everything, because I was on T-Duty, t- t- but I heard the majority of it. And it really blessed me, because it's, it's something that, that God has been speaking to me about over the last few weeks, maybe month or so. And uh, it really encouraged me and blessed me to hear what he said concerning fruitfulness. And uh, my, basically, my message this morning is about that. I've entitled my message this morning, Abiding in Christ. And uh, I really thank the Lord for the way that he confirms things, not only from what Tony said, but this morning there were specific things that God did this morning. Uh, one of the things that was, was, was what Tim sang, it absolutely hit the nail on the head, so to speak. Um, so in line with what God has already been saying to me, and it falls in place. Praise the Lord. It's good when God encourages you like that. To add some context and background to this chapter, we're first going to summarise what's taken place in the preceding chapters. It was very close to the time of Jesus' crucifixion and the disciples were gathered together with Jesus in the upper room. During the Passover, during the Passover time. And they preceded uh, the preceding and surrounding chapters together with chapter 15, um, These are the parting words of Jesus to his disciples. His final instructions. His final encouragement. 
and insight and comfort to them. So these are very important words. And as I've been reading through them, they've been really challenging me and blessing me. There's some other famous last words, um, not quite in the same context as Jesus And they went something like this. You can make it easy. You can make it easy. That train is only, not only, it's not going that fast. That drop, I didn't say that right, did I? I said again. Last words, famous last words. You can make it easy. The train isn't going that fast. Never mind. Another one. Give me a match. I think my gas is gas tank is empty. Famous last words. Or Let's see if it's loaded. But the words that Jesus had to say were more important than that. So what we find is in the preceding and surrounding chapters that Jesus talks about uh, his imminent departure from, the, from this world. He predicts the betrayal of, by Judas. He comforts and exhorts his disciples not to worry. He tells them about the Holy Spirit's coming. And also the, the Holy Spirit's role. And he speaks about his return. And in chapter 15, first 17 verses, Jesus states, uh, starts to use an allegory of, of the wine and the branches to illustrate the relationship he commands from his followers. And I don't say that lightly because, and I use that word um, intentionally, he commands, it's a command to his followers. The passage is dominated by the theme of bearing fruit, which is the only truly achieved by abiding in Jesus, which we will look at more in detail a little bit later on. This passage of scripture is addressed to the disciples, but is not exclusive to them, but to all of Jesus' followers. Those who have come into a personal relationship with him through repentance and confession, and faith in Jesus Christ. The passage is thought-provoking, challenging, serious and clear in its message. And it speaks much about fruit and abiding in Jesus. And we're going to be looking at those two words in particular. Let's look at the, the definition of the word fruit. In the Greek, the word that's used there is kopos. And it's, and it's used and occurs six times in this chapter. It's often used rather specifically. It can refer to literal fruit or vegetation, a human offspring, the fruit of the Spirit, new converts, financial giving, a praise offering. It seems natural to understand fruit as our love for believers also. We all can also see that in this chapter, we see the word abide. And it's mentioned ten times. If you've got a King James Version, that's where you'll see it. And it's important for us to have a good, clear understanding of what this means to abide in Jesus, so that we can bring glory to Jesus and to the Father. 
But what, but just what does this mean? Abide in him. Our understanding of the text that we've read is depends upon the understanding of the word abide. Like I said, it's used in the James Version. The word used in the NIV is remain. And the Greek word that's used behind there is called menor. The difficulty with the Greek term is that it conveys the meaning of more than one English word. Out of 120 occurrences in the New Testament, menor is mentioned 61 times. So, and remain is mentioned 16 times. Dwell is mentioned 15 times. Tarry is mentioned 9 times. Endure is mentioned 3 times. And still other way, 5 more other ways. In our text, the idea of remaining is clearly present, but the word remain somehow fails in, in the NIV to convey the full force and the impact of the Lord's words and message. The number of times in John's Gospel the term is used of dwelling in a certain place or staying somewhere as one's dwelling place. So when we use the word remain, we can take it to encompass the word abide. Also to dwell, to continue, to tarry, to endure. All those words give us a richer understanding of what Jesus was trying to convey to his disciples. It conveys a sense of intimacy and union and unity and closeness to Jesus. So hopefully that helps us to understand what those two words mean. In verse 4 it says, Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. We cannot bear fruit in Christ without first abiding in him. As you spend time with him, dwelling in his presence, allowing him to change you, to grow you, to heal you, to love you, and as you respond in obedience to his word and commandments and instructions, the outcome will result in fruit growing in your life. So in summary, for us to bear fruit, it's not what we do, but what Jesus does by his Holy Spirit through us. We cannot bear kingdom fruit unless we allow Jesus to do it through us. I'll say that again. We cannot bear kingdom fruit unless we allow Jesus to do it through us. I'm going to skip now into verse 16, which is a bit unconventional really of me, as a starting point is always verse 1. But there is a reason for this. And it's to establish the fact that this dialogue that Jesus was having with his disciples took place in this chapter was directed to the disciples, not to any random persons. Jesus was talking to his disciples directly, referring to them as chosen ones. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you 
and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that lasts, then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Jesus is saying to the disciples, I have chosen you. He's speaking to those he has chosen, i.e. his disciples. This morning, if you've believed on Jesus and received salvation through faith, you are a believer. You are a chosen one by Jesus, selected by him. Therefore, the conversation Jesus has with his disciples in this passage applies to you, as it did to the disciples. So we need to listen attentively to what Jesus is saying. So the first question I have this morning is, are you a chosen one? Are you a chosen one? If you're not sure, or maybe you haven't made that commitment, and you would like to know more about how to become and know Jesus and how to abide in Jesus, then please don't hesitate to speak to somebody, somebody maybe that you know, that can point you to a member of the church that can help you in that. Or come to talk to one of the, the leadership team. We'd love to help you. We'd love to lead you to the one who's given his life for you. In chapter 14, uh, verse 1, Jesus tells, uh, we, tells the disciples um, what is on his heart. And then he brings his conversation to a close. We've had the Passover. And then he says to them, let's go. And they leave and go to Gethsemane. So the following words that he spoke to them, I believe, was um, on, en route to, to, to Gethsemane. And as they were walking to Gethsemane, Jesus was speaking these words. The words that we read in chapter 15. And Jesus uses the, the, the vine uh, symbolism to convey his message to his disciples. The allegory of the vine and the branches would have strongly and clearly resonated with the disciples. And they would have understood exactly what Jesus meant. Because they would have walked through vineyards on their way up there to the hill of Gethsemane. And not only that, vine growing, bearing of grapes, it was a substantial part of the nation's, nation's agriculture. The Jews would have known and been very familiar with the concept of uh, uh, vine production, wine production, and the importance of caring for vine so that it produced good fruit. Verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is a gardener. So Jesus uses the vine and the gardener allegory to convey a profound unique union and relationship between the father and the son. And similarly a unique relationship between the son and his disciples. And in verse 5, Jesus likens the vine to himself, the branches to the disciples and God as the gardener. The branches are grafted into the vine and they're an integral part of the vine. They are one and inseparable unless the union is severed by cutting. This is the union and relationship believers share with Jesus when we are joined to him. 
Verse 2. Jesus says to ensure a good crop, the gardener will cut off every branch that doesn't bear fruit and prune every branch that does bear fruit so that it can become more fruitful. This is a serious and weighty statement. Let me read it to you again. Verse 2. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will give even more fruit. Jesus is intensely serious concerning being fruitful. This is not an option, it is a command. And we need to hear this from the Holy Spirit this morning. And we'll be looking at pruning a little bit more in detail a short while. Somebody once said, it's an unknown quote, a fruitless person is not a failed Christian, but a false one. In other words, not a Christian at all. We should be clear that Jesus is here referring to conditions of fruitfulness, not eternal salvation. We should not understand the passage to mean that God will remove from the number of the saved, those who are not fruitful. It doesn't mean that at all. Eternal security is not what's being discussed here. We see that in more in chapter 10, in verse 28-29. Jesus is talking about the saved and about what will happen in order that they may be the most effective servants they can be. I'm not a gardener, but in my time, I've tried to be. I remember when I, uh, a long time ago, purchased 14 conifers, uh, which I proceeded to plant with great excitement. I had visions of these small trees going into tall, strong trees in the future. But to my dismay, six of them died. I was devastated, but consoled myself with the thought that they didn't all die. Not a bad effort, I thought to myself, considering my godding abilities. So I, I began to take extra care with the remaining eight and watered them well, just to ensure they didn't go thirsty. I think I maybe I've overwatered them a little. In fact, I think I drowned them. And the consequence was four more died my vision came crashing down to earth. Then a further two died. You do the mask, guys. And they died of cold, believe it or not. Two left. They grew, but not into tall trees. By this time I'd given up and left it to nature to take care of them. They grew about a few inches, turned round, died. Zero left. I later found out, folks, that I would have had a great success rate planting these trees if I had planted them in the right season. I just want to say right here, 
Again, to you, Francine, season. And there may be others here, season. God knows your seasons. He's fully aware of where you are in Him. And maybe you're going through a season of pruning. Maybe God's trying to cut things off. Only for your good. Don't see that as a tribulation. Don't see that as a devil putting the, the, his foot in things. See it as God lovingly taking care of you. God doesn't get it wrong. God doesn't plant things in the wrong season. I do. Thank you, Lord. So if you require some horticulture advice, please don't come to me. However, on a good note, I am totally rubbish at gardening. Because, so I'm not totally rubbish at gardening. Because the lawns are still green, in the most part. And when I prune the trees and the bushes, only one died, and the rest are fine. I guess it's only a matter of time. B said to me, get a man in. I said to her, you've already got a man she looked at me and the conversation died there and then. <laughs> so my advice to you guys, to the non-gardeners in this place, is get a man in. The moral is, listen to the advice of your wife, if you've got one. Drawing attention back to the scriptures, in verse 1, God is the gardener. Praise the Lord, he's the gardener. He's a perfect gardener. He knows exactly what he's doing. There's nothing he doesn't understand or know about the plant, the shoot, the branch, which is you and I. He's a perfect gardener. Hallelujah. He's not going to get it wrong. He doesn't abandon the vine. He takes care of it. How? By stripping everything off the vine and the branches that hinders the growth and production of good fruit. And he does it right all the time. Have you ever had to prune a tree or a bush? I have. And when I've pruned it, it looks bare, fruitless. In fact, horrible. But come summer, it grows back again and it looks great. The pruning stage is a vital stage that requires skill and tender care. You need to know when, where to prune and make the cuts so growth will result. Over pruning can destroy the plant or the vine. While under or incorrect pruning will affect the overall health of the plant or the vine, resulting in poorer quality of fruit. Incorrect pruning will leave non-productive parts and dying infected shoots on the vine, which will draw away or rob nutrition from the healthy parts of the vine. The Greek word for pruning used here is katharion, katharion, for which we get the English word katharsis. It means to cleanse or to purge. And it's a term used in viticulture, which is vine culture. It describes cleansing the branch of insects, diseases and pesticides. 
This would have been an ancient equivalent of using insecticides as done in modern days. This pruning also includes cleaning or pinching off little sucker shoots from the branch, sprigs that draw away resources from the production of big juicy grapes. Left to itself, the branch will favour more of a leafy growth. So the wine dresser or the gardener has to prune or clean away the shoots and unwanted growth to promote even greater fruitfulness. What does a pruning represent in our lives as a believer? I believe the bugs, diseases and unwanted sprigs represent things like bad habits, wrong things, wrong thinking, unimportant activities, lesser priorities maybe. Anything that distracts us from becoming completely fruitful. Anything that hinders us from loving others to the fullest the way Christ has loved us. Because we live in an imperfect world which is corrupt, we become contaminated by conforming to its ways, tempted and seduced by its attractions and sin. It robs us of our joy and peace, leaving us spiritually dry and discouraged at times by its pressures of life. It sucks the life of Jesus from our beings. As we abide in the vine, the God removes these things from our lives so that we can bear more fruit. What are the bugs and the unwanted growth or diseases that have attached themselves to your life? Maybe you're too busy. When Tim was singing that song, it really blessed me because it gave me the sense of he was crying to the Lord about having time, getting rid of his diary, being personal with the Lord. Folks, are we too busy? In fact, maybe your busyness has veiled itself in selfishness maybe. Or could it be you're filling your life with socially acceptable things that make you look good, all the while avoiding the harder work of loving others who are difficult to love? Like your neighbour, or your spouse, or your children, or fellow believers. Might it be that your busyness is a cloak for not committing yourself to God's work in this place. Maybe your busyness needs to be pruned. And God will be sensitive in that. So are you busy? Maybe you've got a secret. Maybe you've been nursing a secret sin. Maybe it involves pornography on the internet or compulsive lying. Or maybe just the pursuit of money and material gain. Maybe it needs to be removed. It needs to be pruned. Perhaps an excessive time spent on things 
that count for nothing. Maybe it's laziness or a bad attitude. The God may want to prune any number of these things from our lives. So that we can begin to change and bear good fruit. Lasting fruit. This only happens as you accept God pruning in your life. Accept God's pruning in your life. And start to abide in him. Do you know I'm so glad that God is the gardener. Because I can trust him to always ensure that good fruit is produced in my life. Praise you, Lord. The act of abiding is not true of every believer. It's also not true of every believer all the time. We can earn a living, raise a family, and practice generosity without abiding. It's possible to lead or even pastor a church or serve without abiding. We must recognise that there are differences between work and fruit. It's possible to perform a lot of work for Christ that isn't necessarily fruitful. It's also possible to do many things without Christ. It's possible to do many things for Christ. However, anything of lasting value can only be done through Jesus by abiding in him. This is why Jesus says we're not called upon to produce fruit, we're simply to bear it. Bearing fruit is the natural outcome of being in Christ and letting him live his life through us. Notice the progression in verse 15. Sorry, um, verse 2 of chapter 15. From fruit, verse 2, to more fruit, to much fruit. In verse 5, that's what God wants for us. A detached branch in a physical or spiritual realm can't live on its own. It will die. Praise you, Lord. God doesn't let us die. God takes care of us. There's a lot more that I want to say, really, and time's really passing us by quickly. I'm going to stop about here because I really feel that we need to um, come before the Lord and have, just have a time of, of ministry. If the group can just be um, ready, maybe just to come on the, on the platform and just... Uh, String along on the guitar, maybe. I'll give you a shout when we just prepare yourselves, please. Thank you. I'm going to ask you to come up. Um, before I do that, actually, um, I just want to share with you a picture. It's a picture I got about, um, probably about a month ago, maybe. Actually, it wasn't a picture, it was an actual instant. I was out in the countryside and I was praying and walking through the woods. And I came across this tree. It was gigantic. It was massive. Big, massive tree. Strong. Tall. What caught my eye about this tree was the fact that it was covered literally with 
vines all wrap themselves around the tree all the way up the trunk and around the different various branches etc and it just was like struggling and then I saw a branch just a branch on its own and obviously come off the tree and fallen at the side of the tree and it was just totally dry totally dry dead and I just said Lord what are you trying to say to me through this and um, I just left it with the Lord and it's, uh, during that time which, while I've been thinking about these things and just praying about them and, and, and God just speaking to me about it and I really felt that this picture that God had given me, or this, the place he took me, and that picture just remained in my mind, that what he was saying was that, you know, the Bible talks about trees of righteousness. We are trees of righteousness. And sometimes, trees of righteousness get covered in vine. And I saw this picture and it, and it really spoke to me and I felt God was saying that there are people amongst in this congregation that I've got wrapped by this vine. This vine has wrapped itself around you. And what it's doing is it's drawing off the life of Christ from your being. It's robbing you. It's robbing you. And I've got just a few words around that, centered around that, which I'm going to share in a minute. And I'm going to ask the music team to come up, please. And I can't see where he is. Jit, just at the back. I'm going to call Jit down in a minute as well. He had a word earlier on. I really felt that was right. And I'm going to ask him to come and share that in a minute. So if the music team can just come and let's just stand together, folks. Let's just look to the Lord. Let's just thank the Lord for his presence. Because he's here. And let's just ask the Lord to work in our lives. This morning, folks, God wants the kingdom potential in you to come out. But you're being robbed. And God hates that. God absolutely hates that. But he does something about that as well. He sets us free. He sets us free. Praise God. As the worship team begin to just worship in the background and play the instruments, Jit, would you mind just coming down and just sharing what the Lord had put on your heart? And then I'll just share a few other things. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I just felt the Lord gave me two words that were specific to somebody here today. And those words were hopelessness and despair. Hopeless in that they feel they have no control over the situation that they're going through and despair that they're thinking of every outcome of that situation and allowing fear to overwhelm their heart. And I believe the Lord was saying, rely and lean on me before I promised to act on your behalf. You are not alone. Just look to me. Nothing else, just look to me. For I'm true to my word. I am with you. Thank you, Lord. Praise you. Well, just see how the Holy Spirit leads. And I'm, I'm not going to ask people to come to the front. If you feel that you want to come to the front, that's fine. We'll pray for you. But I just want God to meet you where you are. So I want us to begin to reach out to the Lord. Invite the Holy Spirit. 
said quite a few things. One of the things that God was resonating on my heart was this word, busyness. Busyness. If that's resigning with you this morning, in your heart, it might be kingdom busyness. But somehow you know that it's, it's stealing. It's that vine that's robbing you of the life and the being of Christ Jesus. And I want you to reach out to the Lord. Right now. Thank you, Lord. Reach out to the Lord. And say, Father, strip me from this vine. Let it fall to the ground. Thank you, Lord. We heard earlier on in the worship that he comes from high down to the ground. Thank you, Lord. And you know where he cuts the vine off? He cuts it from its roots. Praise you, Lord. You cut it from the roots. He doesn't cut it halfway so it grows. He cuts it and deals with it right at the root. So in Jesus' name, that root of busyness, I speak to it right now. And in Jesus' name, we sever those roots of busyness that are robbing you. Robbing you of the fruit of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That word that Jip brought, that word's for you right now. Lift up your hands. Let's all lift our hands to the Lord. Invite him into our hearts. Say, Lord, strip me. Strip me from all that is infecting me. All those bugs. All those things that are robbing me. Lord, I give them over to you right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you for your presence, God. Thank you for delivering power. Thank you for your restoring power. Thank you for your life. For life is in the vine. Life is in Jesus. And Jesus lives in you. Greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. Amen. Amen. Let's draw close to him. Just reach out to him. Just draw from the vine what you need this morning, guys. He's there for you. He died and he rose again for you. That you might be in total, utter union with him. That union cannot be severed, cannot be caught. Because he's almighty God. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. There's some things I wanted to say earlier on and I didn't get time to say them. I want to say them now. You're just worshipping the Lord. And this is my opinion, guys. It's not from the Word. But I want to say it anyway. My opinion is that some Christians are sitting on the sidelines. They're not abiding in Jesus while other Christians are doing more and more. But abiding less and less. Maybe it's time for the sideliners to respond to Jesus' mornings, to his command to bear fruit. And perhaps it's time for us who have, to have fewer programs, fewer meetings, that don't actually bear any, bear any fruit. With the express purpose of giving ourselves to abiding in Christ Jesus. Please don't misunderstand me this morning. I'm not saying that we should completely do away with church functions and devote ourselves only to individual activities with the Lord. No, I don't think it's possible for a Christian to abide in Christ apart from commit and get involved in the local church body. But we can be tempted to look at programs to give us what only Jesus can give us. 
Christians are so busy that they are running themselves ragged. And when they finally have a moment to sit down quietly with the word of God, they fall asleep. I can testify to that. I can testify to that. Being tired and falling asleep. Can you? Come before the Lord right now. Come before the Lord right now, I say to you. And receive his touch. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Praise your name. If you don't know Jesus this morning, and you'd like to know him more, I want to encourage you. Please don't hesitate. Come and see us at the end of the service. We're going to finish now. And if you want prayer, then you're struggling with something, and you've prayed about it, and it seems as though that vine is still holding on to you, then I want you to come forward and we'll pray for you. We'll seek release. We'll seek freedom. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to hand it over to the guys just to finish in song. Thank you, Father. Let's continue to worship him. Don't let the word be stolen from me this morning. Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.